Lord this morning, shall we? Yes, Lord. I want to take you to a story this morning in 2 Kings chapter 13, verses 14 to 20. It's called The Arrow of Victory. How many of you are ready for a victory? We need some victories here, amen? And this is a story of God preparing his people for a victory. God's been preparing you, he's been preparing me, and he's opened a window for that opportunity. In this story, we see uh, Jehoash, Jehoash, also known as Joash, but Jehoash was the king of Israel at a time when Elisha was ready to go be with the Lord. Uh, Elisha was old, he was sick, and... uh, Jehoash knew that Elijah was perishing and the armies of Syria were coming against Israel. So Jehoash went to Elisha and and he said, Lord, the chariots of Israel are coming. What he meant is the same way that Elijah went up on those chariots of fire. He saw them coming on uh, Elisha and knew his time was short. So he asked the king, you got to intercede for us. So this is what happened. Elisha said this to the king, Jehoash, take a bow and arrows. So he took bow and arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, draw the bow. And he drew the bow. And Elisha lays his hands on the king's hands. And he said, open the window eastward. And he opened it. Then Elijah said, shoot. And he shot. And he said, the Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Syria, for you shall fight the Syrians until you have made an end to them. So there was something prophetic going on, wasn't there? There was imagery that Elisha was speaking from God to the king, and he needed the king engaged. He wanted the king to participate because he was the ruler. He was the authority that God was going to use to bring victory into the situation. So he says, grab your bow and arrows. These are war implements. And he took them, just like prayer is for us. And he took those arrows, and he took an arrow, and he pulled it back, and he said, fire it. And he said, out the window towards the east, because that's where the Syrian army was coming into Israel, from the east. And he releases it, and Elisha says, that's the victory arrow, the arrow of victory for the Lord, and he will defeat your enemy, the Syrians, until you've made them an end. And then he said this, now take the arrows and strike them, shoot them as they land to the ground. And so Elijah's encouraging, shoot your arrows, dude, man, fire those arrows out and get the victory. So Jehoash takes an arrow and he shoots it, and he takes another one, he shoots it, takes another one, he shoots it, and he's done. And Elijah said, "What what are you doing? He said, you shot three arrows and you quit? You should have shot five, six, seven arrows. And in this time period, what was normal for the number of arrows in one of the, uh, uh, what do you call that thing? The, say it again? Quiver, quiver thank you. <laughs> the number of arrows in the quiver typically is 15 to 30 arrows. The dude shot three and quit. They said, you should have shot more. You should have been totally engaged in this exercise. I'm telling you, these are the arrows of victory. You're going to drive your enemy out and you only have enough energy to shoot three? 
You're only engaged to shoot three? I mean, sometimes I wonder what's going on in church. When we're here as the assembly of God's people, we're the authority of God in the earth. And when we gather together, some of us go, bink, bink, boop. That's as much as you're going to participate. We've got the authority here to shake heaven and earth. We've got the authority to bring God's will into this existence and we need to declare God's lordship and authority and speak into the prophetic windows that God is opening over this nation and over us as a people. Jehoash, what's your deal? He said, why did you just shoot three arrows? You could have shot the whole quiver of arrows. It showed a lack of faith, a lack of determination, showed a lack of effort, and it showed a lack of leadership. I don't know what this guy's problem was. Jehoash, why'd you stop shooting? It might have been, you know what? I'm just not an archer. It's not my thing. I mean, how many of us felt like that? You know, I'm just not that good at prayer. You know, I just, I don't know. My gift is making things. We've got to get engaged. He might have said that Elijah didn't explain this to me good enough. Yeah, he did. He said, shoot your arrows. He might have said, uh, well, I thought three was good. Three's plenty. God will take care of the rest. We love that. Pentecostals love that. God, you do it. He says, come on, get engaged. We go, okay, you do it. Make it happen. I prayed once and nothing happened. I shot an arrow. Nothing happened. Huh. And then we go right to maybe God doesn't care. It's like, where's our engagement? I didn't think it would do any good. I love this one. You know, I just wasn't feeling it. Just not. That's a very popular one today. Because everything's so emotionally based. You know, I'm just, I'm not, nah, I'm not feeling it. Uh, I shot three. That's good enough. He could have been, you know what? I don't want to get overly excited. I was a little embarrassed in front of the great prophet. I just, you know, I'm a king. I just don't want to sweat. I don't, you know, arrows. I don't shoot arrows. I have people shoot arrows for me. Nobody else is going to fight your battle. God's called you to fight the battles. Well, I didn't understand the process. You know, the thing with the arrow and the window, I just, I didn't get it. Couldn't he have just drawn a map? Couldn't he have just said what God, you know, isn't it funny how we dictate to God what he should do and say for the victory? But he's engaging us to reveal what's in us. He's sharpening us. God isn't just about saving you. God is about changing you. He's about saving your soul, but then conforming us into the image of Christ. Did you know that that is God's eternal predestined plan? That all of us would be shaped or conformed into the image of a son. And so he's shaping us into sonship. And so he challenged this guy. This is an effort of modeling in him what God would require. God requires an effort. That's what he wants from you and I. You know, it's easy right now. I mean, we can be watching church from, from our living room and our slippers and having a Coke or doing whatever. You know what I mean? I mean, we're, we're to a place right now where everything is, is online or text. We've got to get engaged, people totally engaged. The, the, it in, involves resolve. It, it involves passion. 
Guy's got 30 arrows in his quiver and he takes three. Right? Shooting an arrow. That's what God asked him to do. It reminds me of Naaman. Remember when God told Naaman that, that he would heal him? Go into the Jordan and dunk seven times. He could have quit after three. He didn't even want to go in that water. His servant said, look it, if he asked you to climb a mountain, would you do it? All he's asking you to do is go in the water. But it's dirty. <laughs> dirty water. Doesn't he know who I am? He didn't even come out and greet me. So God had to strip him of his pride, strip him of what he thought, his conception of what God should do. Could have quit at four, but he went the full seven and he got healed. Amen? Amen? What about shooting these arrows? Shooting the arrows had to be done through the open window. There's a timing here in everything. The reason God commands what he commands is because of the timing of things. God opens windows and shuts doors. God opens doors and shuts windows. There are times and opportunities for us to do. When you have an unction from God, that's the time to shoot your arrows. That's the time through the open door that God has established. Because that time is going to pass. There have been so many times in my life where I didn't take the opportunity afforded me by the Spirit of God to witness or to say something or to do something, and that time passes right by. The prophetic moment is gone. You had an opportunity to utterly destroy the Syrian army, but all you did was afford yourself to win three battles. They're coming back for a fourth. How about you and I? How are you doing in defeating the battle against sin? I mean, think about it. How often do you have to battle sin? Two times? Three times? You better get the quiver. <laughs> Daily. Routinely. Shooting the arrows had to, be do, had to be done without knowing the outcome. It was an act of faith. He totally didn't understand, but he had to be engaged. You and I don't always understand what the outcome of our prayers are going to be. You don't have that guarantee. You don't know the dimension by which God's working above all that we ask or could even imagine. But you need to be engaged. Get there. See, this is a problem right now. Many of us are apathetic. Many of us are bewildered. Many of us are stunned and dismayed. We're, we're thrown off. And so our faith seems to be weak. It, it seems to be scattered. There's too much going on. There's too many wars and battles to be fought. You're shooting arrows out of every window you know how. But God's got an open window he wants you to work at. We have to obey and listen and work by faith. Failing to shoot the arrows not only hurts us, but it hurts others. We're agents of grace, agents of change. If we don't take our position, we can lose battles for other people. See, the king, he, he had the authority he was to exercise authority over all of Israel prophetically. And as a king, what he did in engaging in this warfare spiritually, he, he half-heartedly put an effort in. And because of that, oh, they'll defeat Syria three times, but they will not utterly defeat them. And that means soldiers will be lost and citizens will lose their, lose their lives. How many of us not fighting the battle or losing our family, losing our children, losing our neighborhoods, losing a nation, can I say it? We've lost a nation. We're losing it now. It's time to fight. It's time to get involved. 
I like what Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher, said. He said this, It is a fact that God has purposed all things, both great and little. Neither will anything happen but according to his eternal purpose and decree. It is also a sure and certain fact that oftentimes events hang upon the choice of men. There is this amalgamation of God's sovereign will and man's effort in it. God chooses to use us in his purpose and plans. Wow. Are you sure you want to do that? Jesus handed over the kingdom to these 11 guys. One betrayed him. He's got 11 left. Now go and win the world with the gospel. Are you sure you want to do that? Yeah, because his power in us can do it. His power in you can change a nation. It can change a city. It can change where you work. It can change what you do. If you will engage yourself, we must engage in a faith effort. We must show up. We're supposed to be the salt and the light. We are called as the church the pillar of truth in the earth. If we don't speak up, truth will not be spoken. If we don't act, salt will not be spread. And so he's calling us to shoot our arrows. How many times did a single man change the course of history? I think of Moses. When God used Moses to bring the children of Israel out, they had sinned so many times, God said, I'm through with these people. I'm just going to take you, Moses, and I'll bring a nation out of your loins because I'm tired of these guys. And Moses said, no, Lord, don't. His intercession, his prayer, he shot arrows through the window towards God to say no. And God relented and God listened to Moses' intercession. It was God's plan to save Israel, but he used a man to intercede. I think of Sodom and Gomorrah. I think of Abraham who said, look at, look at, would you change your purpose over Sodom and Gomorrah if you could find 50 righteous? Okay, 40. Well, oh, 30. Okay, Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay, 20. How about 10? And God would be willing. God would be willing. There was a contingency that could have happened. And Abraham knew that if he would have interceded and shot the arrows through the window of opportunity, the problem was there just weren't that many righteous in that city. I think of Amos who prayed for Israel and God relented judgment. I think of Hezekiah who was on his deathbed and he cried out to God and he said, God, I want to live longer. What would happen if Hezekiah said, I want to live a year longer? Maybe two. I want to live three years longer. And he stopped like Jehoash. He said, I want to live 15 years. God gave him 15 more years of life. There's a contingency with God's sovereignty. God will have his way, but he wants to work through you and I. He wants us engaged. We're his hands and feet. I think of Jesus Jesus wanted to draw Jerusalem in like a mother hen gathering her chicks, but they would not. They refused. He spoke over Bethsaida, and he said, it'd be worse for you on the day of judgment than Sodom and Gomorrah because the window is open. Messiah's here, and you wouldn't receive it. You see, there's opportunity always. 
Peter told Ananias and Sapphira, you didn't have to lie about the money. You didn't even have to give the money. That was your choice. You see, they could have lived. What if his wife said, you know, Ananias, I don't think this is a good idea. There is a change, and that's what God's saying by our involvement. The reason Israel didn't have victory over Syria is because the king didn't put enough effort in. I don't want that said about me. I don't want it said about Christ's community. We didn't put enough effort in to change the course of history. People are in need all around us. Are we interceding for them? Are we praying for them? Are you shooting arrows into the realm of the Spirit for them? See, all of this is a pet test. Personal effort test. How many of you have had your personal efforts challenged? Right? The ultimate personal effort challenge came to Abraham when God told him to sacrifice his son. And he qualified it. He said, the son whom you love, Isaac. Because I'm thinking Abraham would have thought, well, maybe Ishmael. And so he went with Isaac, Isaac being about 30 years old. We always see paintings of Isaac as a little boy. Isaac was about 30 years old when he was taking, when Abraham was taking him to sacrifice him. And it's interesting what he said. He said to his servants, stay here. Isaac and I are going to worship the Lord. It's the first reference to worship in the Bible. Which means to give your life to the value of God. And he went to take his son, and he said, we will return. Why did he say that? He was ready to kill his son for Christ's sake, for Messiah's sake. He was ready to do it as a personal effort being tested. And as he's ready, God stopped his hand because he believed, as the writer of Hebrews said, that God would even raise him from the dead. That's why Jesus said, Abraham saw my day and believed. He was willing to do that. How many of you are willing to give everything you have for the sake of the gospel? I mean everything. Come on. We put Jesus in our back pocket till we can get to heaven. God wants your whole effort. He wants your whole quiverful. Shoot your arrows. We're too timid. We're afraid of man. We lack faith. We may be hurt. Previously, we have disappointments with God. What keeps us from being completely engaged? Do you know how many things in the Bible are actually calling for your engagement that God is willing to impart and to give if you will give? God so often in Scripture says, I will if you will. If my people, who are called by my name, right? Repent, humble themselves turn from their wicked ways. Then, you see there's some engagement involved here, isn't there? Shoot the arrows. The Great Commission. All power has been given unto me in heaven and earth and below the earth. Now, therefore, go. Win the world. How many souls do you want to save by the end of your life? How many people do you want to bring to Jesus? One? Two? It's not a competition. But over some 70, 80 years, I pray for you that you live that long. I hope that we get more than three arrows worth. I pray for that. 
in the Great Commission. How about this? Study to show yourself approved. A workman rightly dividing the word of God. Not ashamed. What does that call for? Effort. Engagement. I've got a quiver full of promises. I've got a quiver full of arrows. You shooting three? Shooting four? Come on, I've prayed for things that haven't come to pass. I'm not going to stop shooting. If there's an open window, I'm going to shoot through it, and I'm going to look for every arrow I can find in this quiver and shoot it. The gifts of the Spirit, well, they're given as the Spirit wills. Well, the Spirit wills to give His gifts to those who zealously crave and earnestly seek them. There's the engagement again. I mean, we have to ask ourselves, well, you know, how come I don't have this gift? Oh, he just didn't give it to me. How hungry are you for the gifts of God? I want tongues. I want prophecy. I want the gift of healing. I want the gift of deliverance. I want the discerning of spirits. I want the gift of hospitality. Do you have a gift list? Huh? It's not Christmas, but still, ask for it. You have not because you ask not. Where is our personal effort in our Christianity? Jehoash, fire your arrows. Get engaged. Empty your quiver. Because there's a timing in this. I'll give you a quick testimony in my life. There's an event that happened in my life once that I'll never forget. It shook me. It surprised me. And uh, I was in a situation through prayer times in with someone, deep time of prayer, prophetic prayer. And I, I heard the voice of the Lord, and I had this unction. It was kind of weird. And I said, I think the Lord wants you to slap me. I don't recommend this. But I felt it. And I told the other person, I, I, and they were like, yeah, I don't think so. I said, no, I, I don't know what to say. I think, I think you're supposed to slap me. You sure? I said, Yeah. Well, I thought, you know, this is figurative. I thought I'd get a little... <laughs> the Spirit of the Lord came upon the other person. Smack! And then they grabbed my shirt and they shook me. And they said, when will you take your position of authority? I wasn't expecting this. I was absolutely shocked. And preparing for this message, I thought, you know, I think, I think a lot of times I shoot one or two arrows when God wants me to empty my quiver. I don't think as the church I can say for sure in the United States we've not taken our position of authority. We've let it go. We've kept the arrows in our quiver for ourselves. We want to see how many arrows we can have in our quiver. We want a bigger quiver. We want fancier arrows. But we're not shooting them to the open window. I conclude with this. Jesus said this to the church at Philadelphia. I am the one who holds the keys of David. What I open, no man can open. What I shut, no man can reopen. No man can shut. And he says this to the church. This day I have set before you an open door which no one will be able to shut. Yeah.
That is the prophetic. That is what we call the anointing. Pentecostals, we talk about the anointing. When we feel an anointing from God, what is that feeling? It is an open window to act as God would have you to act right now. It's an open door. What do you do with open doors? Go through. I've set an open door before you. I believe we're in an age where God has opened a door for the church. There is an open door before us. This COVID thing is done. We have to go forward. We have to be the church. We have to move. We have to prepare. We're not going back to what we were because what we were was a three-arrow church. I want to empty my quiver into the open window. There's an open window before each of you. I want to defeat the sin in my life. I'm not going to shoot one arrow, two arrow, three arrows. I'm going to obliterate it. It means I have to shoot arrows every day. I have to forgive. I have to love my enemies. I have to go forth and be mighty and strong and defeat Satan and defeat the enemy. So I'm going to shoot arrows as I walk through that door. Uh, It's open for me and the promises of God. How about you this morning? I'm asking you, shoot your arrows into that open door. Complete the deliverance in your life. Empty your quiver and do not quit. Can I get an amen this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you bow your heads?